At one time or another, we've all asked ourselves this question, who am I really? It's a timeless question that transcends culture and I believe is crucial to answering if we want to find a life of meaning and purpose. Today, we're going to be exploring where our true identity lies and discovering the incredible impact finding our identity in Jesus can have. So don't go anywhere. That's what's coming up on Making Room. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Making Room podcast, where we clear out the clutter and make more room for God to move in our lives. I'm your host, Paul Radke, and it's an honor to have you listening today as we discuss finding our identity. Identity is such an important aspect of life. It says in Proverbs that as a man thinks, so is he. And so where we find identity and who we think we are has a major impact on how we live life. If I think I'm a failure and a screw-up, chances are I'm going to live life like a failure and a screw-up. If I think I'm super intelligent and that I'm capable of a lot of things, I'm going to go on to probably do a lot of things that are successful just because I have a positive frame of mind of who I think I am. And we have a culture and a time right now where we are trying to find identity in anything and everything. We're trying to find it in our jobs. We're trying to find it in how popular we are. We're trying to find it in our sexuality. We're trying to find it in our nationality or in our color, our ethnicity. We are trying to find identity in anything we can and latch onto it. And I've discovered that finding our identity in any of these things quickly becomes sinking sand. Jesus taught us that those that build on a solid foundation of him will be able to survive the storms of life. But those that build on the sand, when the storms of life come, they'll quickly be washed away. And when we are finding our identity in all of these exterior factors or all of these things of who I think I am and what I think I want, uh, we are quickly building a house on something that will not sustain difficulty. Because if I find my identity in my job, when I lose my job, well, there goes my identity as well. And if I find my identity in what my sexual preferences are, then if my sexual preferences change, then there goes my identity as well. And we have to find our identity in one thing. And we're going to talk about that in today's episode. I've actually been going through this process with God as well. In February of this year, God told me that it was time to leave pastoring. My wife and I had pastored for a few years at our church Before that, I was administrator and kind of had a business capacity at the church. Before that, I was a media director and had a creative, you know, visual and lighting and sound and all of that at the church. And so I I had been there a long time, so I knew that leaving was going to be a hard decision. But I also didn't think I found much identity in being a pastor. In fact, for many, many months and years after becoming a pastor— I just, I didn't even like the sound of it. When people called me pastor, I was just uncomfortable with it. It just kind of just gave me like the goosebumps, like, ah, don't, don't call me that. Uh, and, and it took me the longest time just to be comfortable with the idea that people thought of me that way. So I really didn't think that leaving pastoring was going to be that difficult. I knew that leaving the church would be difficult because I had been there so long. It's where I grew up. It's where I, you know, discovered so much about myself and others in the world, but I really didn't think that the job was something that I identified with. And it turns out that as the months went on after leaving, 
I found out quickly that I found a lot of identity in being a pastor. And no, it wasn't in the title or the word pastor, but it was very much so in the job description that I had, where, you know, just communicating with people on a frequent basis, leading worship every Sunday. I always had a place to share ideas. I had a place uh, that I knew I could push forward to succeed. Growth was easily understood. More people, more spiritual well-being. We were moving in the right direction. But when I didn't have those indicators any longer, and all of a sudden my calling and what God had called me to do didn't rely on a church facility or in a job title or job description, I really had a hard time dissecting who I was. I had a hard time identifying who I was meant to be because my identity was being found in my what and in my why and in my how. It was being found in what I did, why I did it, and how I did it. And because my identity was found in what, why, and how, when my what changed and my how changed, it it all of a sudden threw me for a loop. No longer was I a pastor. No longer did I have a facility to keep running or an organization to keep going or teams to build. I had nobody to lead except me. So I was no longer a leader. And how am I supposed to be who God has called me to be if I don't have these things surrounding me, if I don't have people to lead, if I don't have an organization to make successful, then how am I going to do what God has called me to do? And it was through this process that God really began to show me who I was. And it wasn't what I did, and it wasn't how I did it, it wasn't even why I did things, but it was who I was in Him. The foundation and solid rock of my existence has to be found in who I am in Jesus. Here are a few things that Scripture tells us. John tells us that for as many believed in Jesus, he gave the right to be called sons of God. It says that in Romans that we are co-heirs with Christ Jesus in his inheritance. It says in Peter that we are a royal priesthood. The Bible says some pretty big things about who I am in Jesus. And if I become like the world who finds their identity in what they do, or how they do it, or even why they do it, then I am missing an opportunity to place my identity in the most solid foundation that exists. In all of creation, there is nothing stronger than the identity of Jesus Christ. He is the name above every other name. He has all power, rule, and authority. The nations are made his footstool, and there's no greater place to find my identity than in who he is. And if we as followers of Jesus— hope to become more like him, hope to be who he was in the earth, then we cannot find our identity in anything else than in Jesus. We can't find our identity in the calling that God has given us because we will quickly get off track when that calling doesn't look like what we thought it would look like. I'm I'm speaking to you right now from experience. When that calling doesn't look like what you thought it would look like, your identity is going to be questioned. And it says in James that a double-minded man should not think that he'll receive anything from God because he's unstable in all of his ways. So the moment that my identity is thrown into question, I become unstable. And when I am unstable, it is harder and harder for me to achieve what God has called me to achieve. 
So let me just begin by clearing up who we're not. We are not our biggest mistakes. We are not our greatest successes. We are not our financial wealth. We are not our popularity. We are not how we identify sexually. And here's the thing about identifying ourselves by our greatest successes or our financial wealth. If I identify with my greatest success, and that's where I find and place my identity, then when I fail, then my identity crumbles under that weight, right? If I find my identity in having large amounts of money, then if I have no amount of money, then I all of a sudden have an identity crisis on my hands. If I find my identity in how popular I am, when I begin to be criticized, then my identity crumbles under the weight of other people's criticisms, right? If I live by the sword, I have to die by the sword. If I live by the praises of men, then I die by their criticism. If I live by my financial wealth, then I die in my poverty. If I live in my greatest successes, then I die in my greatest failures. And that is an unstable way of living life. That's not the way God intended us for us to move forward in life. God has called each and every one of us to build our homes, to build our lives on the rock and solid foundation of who Jesus is. He did not desire us to be thrown about to and fro every time a storm comes our way. And if every time we come up against a difficulty or every time we come up against resistance in what God has called us to do, we throw our identity into question, then we are going to have a really difficult and painstaking process of trying to achieve what God has called us to achieve. And if we're trying to find a life of meaning and purpose, the last thing we want to do is question that meaning and question that purpose with every unfortunate set of events that takes place in life. Because life is full of ups and downs. It's full of highs and lows. It doesn't matter how great a life you have, there's still going to be times where it's difficult. It doesn't matter how difficult a time you have in life, there's going to be times where you find joy and happiness. There's going to be highs and lows in life. And so we have got to prepare ourselves mentally to go through that with God. We've got to be prepared spiritually to be able to handle when I fail and when I succeed. I can't buck my head up to think I'm so awesome when I succeed and then think I'm just lower than dirt every time that I fail. I have to be able to find stability in life. And I believe that stability is found in our identity in Jesus. It's found in being a son and daughter of the God that created the universe. So if we aren't our greatest successes or our greatest failures— And if we aren't how wealthy we are or how popular we are, then who are we? I believe who we are can be summed up pretty well in these three statements. We are loved, we are chosen, and we are His. It says in John that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but would have everlasting life. God loved us so much that He sent His only Son to die on a cross that we might be reconciled to Him. This isn't the kind of love that is wavering. It's not the kind of love that you do what I want and I love you. You don't do what I want and I don't love you. This is the kind of love that keeps on remaining steady and stable through every trial and tribulation, through every success, through every failure, through everything we get right, through everything we get wrong, through every bad mindset, for every positive mindset, the love of God continues In our rejection of him, it continues. In our running from him, it continues. In our accepting him, it continues. 
There's nothing it says in Romans that there is nothing that can separate us from the love that we have in Christ Jesus. Not height, nor depth, nor angel, nor demon, nothing in all of creation can separate us from his love. And we have oftentimes felt like that when we mess up or we make a mistake, whether knowingly or unknowingly, that the love of God wavers. We have been taught that God doesn't accept us any longer when we do the wrong thing. The truth is that God's love for you is never ending and never failing. It keeps no record of wrong. It does not rejoice with wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. His love is stable and steady. And as sure as anything in all of creation, his love for us endures. His love for us was so great that he chose us. He chose us to be his. How I describe it is this, that Jesus was the only begotten son of God, and the rest of us have been adopted into his kingdom. We are adopted sons and daughters. So we are children that have been chosen. He chose us. He chose to graft us in to his family because he loved us. You are loved by God. You are chosen by God, and you are completely his. He has you in the palm of his hands. He says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you a hope, plans to give you a future. It says that nobody that puts their faith in the Son of God will be put to shame. God has a future for you. God has a plan for you. You are loved. You are his. And he is not letting you go just because you've made a mistake. He's not letting you go just because you failed. He's not letting you go just because you tried to run away. You are still a son and a daughter because you have been chosen. You have been selected to be grafted into his family. Let, let me just kick on the lights for you a little bit. We are all unworthy to be loved and chosen by him. There, there's no right that we can do that makes us worthy of his love. There's no amount of things that we do right that all of a sudden we're worthy of being chosen by him, that we're worthy of being his. So whether I do things right or do things wrong, I'm just as unworthy as I've ever been to receive his love. It doesn't matter how many times I've run from him and done the wrong thing. It doesn't matter how many times I've run toward him and done the right thing. Both are equally unworthy of the calling that we have in him. We are unworthy of his love. We are unworthy of his forgiveness. And nothing we do can change that. So if I've done everything right, that doesn't make me any more worthy of him. But if I've done everything wrong, that doesn't make me any more unworthy of him. Because I'm always unworthy. And it's only because of the blood of Jesus that I have been reconciled to him. It's only because of the blood of Jesus that I have been grafted into his family and that I can be called a son of God. This is why it's so important that we learn to humble ourselves, because those that have a, a pride and a haughty spirit will be brought low, but those that humble themselves, God says that he will exalt in due season. And so I want you to get your head on straight right now, whether you've been running from him or whether you've been running towards him, we're both just as equally unworthy of the love and of the inheritance that he has provided for us. So is that a license just to run from him anytime we don't want to do what he says? No, absolutely not. It's not a license to run from him, but it is to say that there's nothing I can do that will separate me from him. It means that if I did run from him, I can return back. That means if I did make mistakes or fail, that there's still a way to return home because he loves me and he's chosen me and I am his completely.
I think one of the most important things about finding our identity in him is who that causes me to be. And I I think of it this way. If I were a son of the most wealthy guy in, in the entire world, and if I were a son of the most powerful person in the entire world, and if I were a son of the person that had the most personal protection, had wars fought in their name, and had armies surrounding them, how would I behave? Who would that call me to be? Would I be worried about what tomorrow holds? No, probably not. Would I be worried about how I'm going to pay my bills? Certainly not. Would I be worried about an enemy that could come and defeat me? No, very, very unlikely that I would be. You are a son or a daughter of the God who is all-powerful, of the God who owns everything. All things were created in him, and by him all things are held together. There is nothing in all of creation that can defeat you. That's why Paul writes to the church and he says, no weapon formed against you can prosper. That doesn't mean it won't be formed. It doesn't mean we won't come up against difficulty, but it does mean that that difficulty can't defeat me. That difficulty cannot overtake me because my dad is the most powerful, strongest, wealthiest, most powerful person in the entire galaxy of galaxies. So why would I be worried about what the enemy's doing? Paul writes in another place and he says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I can go through any difficulty. I can go through any high place. I can go through any low place. I can get through anything in life because I can do it all through Christ Jesus who loved me. Jesus has prepared the way before us. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning. He is the end. There is nothing that we can't do in him. There's no difficulty that we can't overcome. There's no project that we cannot get the success over. There's no enemy that we can't defeat. We are able to do all things in Jesus. And because we have been given such an incredible gift, and because we are so undeserving of it, I think it's really important that we also take a look at who that causes me to be for other people. It says in 1 John that we love because he loved us. So my love for him is nothing but reciprocity for how he has loved me. And my love for others is also nothing but a response to how much I'm loved. When I am loved and I am safe and I am protected in being a son or daughter of God, that leads me to love with no fear of what's going to happen. I'm able to have care and compassion for people like nobody else because I have my identity placed where it belongs. I have my identity firmly found on the foundation of Jesus. And if we want to be who Jesus has called us to be, he said that the world would know us by how we love one another. If I want to do what Jesus has called me to do, go into the world and preach the gospel, if I, if I am going to be a good son, if I'm going to be a good daughter, then I've got to learn to take on the characteristics in whom my identity is found. And if Jesus was someone full of love and grace and compassion, then I should be somebody full of love and of grace and compassion. And if Jesus was such a giver that he gave his life away, then I need to be a giver to the point of giving my life away. Anything that he is, I need to become because my identity is found in him. And if he did nothing but what the father told him to do, then I need to do nothing but what the father tells me to do. 
And if he found his identity and who his father was, then I need to find my identity and who my father is. Who I am as a son and daughter of God becomes the center of everything else I do in life. It becomes the focal point. It becomes the place that grounds me. And when I have to make a decision on how I'm going to treat my coworkers when they're rude to me, I have to go back to, well, who am I? Who have I been called to be? How much am I loved? How much have I been undeserving of that love? And that res- my response to that has to be that, well, if I'm loved with that great of love and that's who I've been called to be for others, then when my coworker disrespects me, I have to respond with love. That doesn't mean we're pushovers. That doesn't mean we just let people take advantage of us. It does mean that we don't seek retribution. We don't seek to get them back. We don't seek for their demise, even though they've sought for ours. When I find my identity in who I am in him, it changes the way I work at my job. It changes the way I treat my spouse. It changes the way I raise my kids because I always keep going back to who am I at my core and who has God called me to be. At my core, I am his son. I am an heir to the inheritance with Christ. I am a royal priest. A royal priest is a king or a queen, a prince or a princess, and a a priest is a mediator between God and man. That means we prepare a way before God to reach men, and we prepare a way between men to reach God. Everything I do in life, why I do things, what I do, how I do it, all has to stem back to my identity being found in Jesus. Because it's in that identity that I find my firm foundation— It's in that identity that I find stability when the storms of life come. It's in that identity that when I lose my job, I still know who I am. It's in that identity that when people disrespect me, I still know who I am. It's in that identity that when people call me just vile things, that I still know who I am. I am a son and I am a daughter of God. I am a co-heir with Christ Jesus. And when we find that place, when we find our identity in him, then everything else can flow out of that spot. Everything else can flow out of that information of who I am and who that calls me to be. It calls me to be a good leader of my household. It calls me to be a good worker at my job. It calls me to be somebody that's loving and compassionate. It calls me to be somebody that's forgiving. Why does it call me to be those things? Because that's who he is. And if my identity is in him, then he is my identity. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. I hope that it helps you to make more room for God in your life. That's the purpose of this podcast. And with every episode, my hope is that something else gets cleared out of our lives so that we can become more and more who God has called us to be. Hey, do me just two quick favors, if you don't mind. One, hit subscribe, hit follow. It helps this show get out to more people and to reach a wider audience. The second is if you know somebody that needs to hear this message, please share it with them. You can hit the share button right below and send it straight to them. That would also help this audience grow and get as many people to hear the message that they need to hear. They are a son or a daughter of God Most High, and that influences everything else they're meant to be. I love you all. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you next week as we continue Making Room. Thank you.